few things that we remember. I was, as I was preparing for the sermon this week, I was thinking of a few different times as I was, as I was growing up. I had a couple of really close friends, you know. We would ride together, we uh, played together, we rode our bikes together, we camped out together. We got mad at each other, we had fights, you know, we've talked about that before. I was, uh, uh, there's a number of days that I'd go to school with a swollen up lip or a black eye that Steve Yates had given to me and he'd go to school looking the same way. But because we were who we were, we'd have our fights and then 30 minutes later we're playing again. It's all over, all the anger's gone, everything's fine because we were just best friends. We spent night at each other's house. We hunted with our BB guns together. We played ball down in my granddad's front yard that everybody in the neighborhood called the ball field because it was a triangular yard. And it was just big enough for a bunch of 11 and 12 year old boys to play ball in and not really get in a whole lot of trouble. We were the kind of guys that if you found one of us, you found two of us. We were always together. We got each other's back. We really liked each other. We were good friends. Then we had my dog, who was a mostly German shepherd. I have never had but one dog in my life that wasn't a mostly something. We actually bought one when Renee and I got married that was a pure something, which was sort of odd. Every dog I've ever had was a pickup, a stray kind of thing. And Candy was a mostly German shepherd that Dad brought home from work one day. We already had a dog named Trixie, who was mostly a Springer Spaniel, but had something else in her. But for some reason, she became the mother. She's like, you know, and she becomes the mama to the German Shepherd. And it just worked out. And we enjoyed watching this, this German Shepherd do certain things. She entertained us by chasing field mice. Between my house, this story's going somewhere, hang in there. Between my house and my grandmother's house was where we planted the garden every year. It was sloped and granddad had, had terraced it so that we could plant it. And every year they planted all three levels, all three levels of the garden. And after the season was over, we would just let it lay there. You know, you didn't go out and cut the plants down. You just let the stuff lay and, and you let it rot the plants and everything and go back to the earth and blah, 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 blah. And then the broom sedge would grow. I don't know if y'all are familiar with what broom sedge is or not. It is a very versatile plant, broom sedge is. Uh, when you're feeling sort of cocky, you know, content with life, you pull up a piece of it, you strip it back and stick it in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. And you walk around, I'm cool. Yeah, I got a piece of grass in my mouth. That makes me somebody. Broom sedge could be used to entertain you with four pieces of long broom sedge, a piece of notebook paper, and some thread that you stole from the house because your mother would kill you for taking her thread. You could take a piece of notebook paper and you make a kite. And we would go out in the yard and make kites and fly our kites out of broom sedge. But the thing that broom sedge did absolutely the best was burn. And every year we would burn that garden off. And like these pictures you'd see of California with the flames shooting across the field, you would see the flames coming across our yard. And all the kids would get all excited about seeing that. But before that happened, Candy, the dog, would chase mice. Because mice would get out there in that field. And they'd be in that broom sedge. And Candy would Finally, she'd go out there and start chasing the mice, but then she realized that if she could be higher 
than the broom sedge that she could catch them better. And so she started jumping up in the air to get higher to see it. But she didn't jump like a normal dog where you jump and you'd see that front end go up in the air. She jumped flat-footed from all fours. So she'd spring up in the air, like boing, and her legs would be straight down. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And every time she would start doing that, we would just, if we were around, we would stop and watch. So one day we're sitting on Granddad's front porch, and there's Candy, boing, 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 chasing mice all over the thing. She got tired of it. She looked around, and she saw us sitting on the porch. She would come over to the porch, come up the four or five steps. Granddad was always in his cane-bottomed rocker. Candy would come over and sit down beside him. And if he didn't move fast enough, she would take her snout and put it up under his arm, give it a little flip so that he would put his hand on her head or on her neck. Now, she wasn't looking to get petted. All she wanted was his hand to be there. And if Granddad would rest his elbow on his rocking chair and his hand on the back of Candy's head, she would sit there as long as he would sit there, perfectly content, happy as she could be. And I look back on these stories, I look back on that time of my life, and I realize, I realized that all of us guys... What made that such a good time for us and for granddad and for Candy was loyalty. Was loyalty. We could count on each other. We knew each other. We had each other's back. We, could, we counted on each other without question. We were there for each other without question. We defended each other. If you said something bad about Steve, you were saying something bad about me. I might get in a fight with you just because you talk bad about Steve. That's the way we were. If one of us had a candy bar, we all had a candy bar. If one of us had a comic book, we all had a comic book. When candy needed to be fed and the guys were around, we all went and made sure she was fed. We all went and made sure she had water. And candy always called. Uh, she always came when you called her. And it was strange. If a stranger walked up in the yard, she was always there. And if a strange animal came up in the yard, she was always there. You go, Randy, that's a dog. Right, loyalty. The four of us, always right there with each other, loyal to one another. Now, why is that character trait heartwarming? Why does that character trait make us feel good? Well, we're all created in the image of God, right? Y'all agree with that? We are all created in the image of God, up and down. Be with me. We're all created in the image of God. And what is one of God's characteristics? He's loyal to us to the very end, right? And if he is loyal to us to the very end, and he is working to grow us to be like him, that's growing within us. To make sure that we understand what we're talking about, when we talk about loyalty, what is it? According to the dictionary, loyalty is the state or the quality of being loyal, faithfulness to commitments or obligations, faithful adherence to a sovereign, faithful adherence to a government, faithful adherence to a leader, faithful adherence to a cause. And you notice I underlined faithfulness and faithful, and I got to thinking, okay, well, let's make sure we understand exactly what we're talking about. When we use the word faithful here, faithful 
is the uh, faithful is the strict or thorough in performance of a duty, a faithful worker, yeah, whatever, true to one's word, true to one's promises, true to one's vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, faithful friends, reliable, trusted, believed. When we say somebody has faith, somebody is faithful, that's what we're saying about them. That when somebody is, is trusted or is, is uh, loyal, that that's what we're talking about is they're that kind of person. When somebody is loyal, we can count on them. We can count on them. And when I'm reading Hebrews uh, 13, 1 through 6, that's what jumped out at me. Now, I look, there's a bunch of different ways that I can look at Hebrews 1 through 6, uh, 13, 1 through 6. Lots of stuff to talk about in there when you look at it, but I, sat, I literally sat in my office for about two hours and stared at it because something kept gnawing at me. What is it in this? What is it in this? What characteristic? What is this saying to me? And then it hit me that he's talking about loyalty here. God is loyal to us, and he expects us to be loyal to him and to each other. That's the bottom line. God is loyal to us, and he expects us to be loyal to him and to each other. In Hebrews 13, 1 through 6, the writer of the book of Hebrews, whoever it was, we don't know. He's been writing this reasonably long, academically-minded, theological letter. He's written this letter with a very specific purpose. The people that this book of Hebrews were written to were undergoing persecution, and they were undergoing a lot of persecution. But they were, it was a weird kind of thing that was going on with them then because they weren't persecuting Jews. They were only persecuting Christians. So if they would say, you know what? I got this Christ thing wrong, I got this wrong, I'm just a Jew, then the persecution would go away. There'd be nothing else to worry about. Life would get good again. Everybody would be happy. Pain would be gone. But the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, why in the world would you do that? Why would you do that? And he opens the letter with he, in Hebrews 1 saying this, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He is the radiance of the glory of God, it says. The radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. And Jesus says that himself to his disciples. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know who he is. So he tells them, if you've seen me, you've seen God, remain loyal to him. Remain loyal to Jesus. And he writes this letter then like a preacher that always preaches too long. We don't know any of those. But if we did know one, this is the way this guy operates. He don't know when to hush. He just goes on and on and on and on and on. 
And that's what he's done, and he realizes that he's been writing. Now, they didn't, he didn't write the letter in chapters. That's something somebody came along and did later. But he's been writing forever, and he realizes all of a sudden that he has written this really, really long letter. It's time to hush. We've said enough. Let's move on. But I've got a few things that I want to say. And he drops out some bullet points. And that's really what comes in chapter 13 is he drops these bullet points out there. It's time to end, but they've got to know this stuff. So we're going to start at the end of the bullet points and work our way back to the beginning of the bullet points. He says in verse 5 and and all of verse 6, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What do you hear in that? What do you hear in that? I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is loyal, right? God is loyal. And who's he loyal to? Who's he loyal to? He's loyal to you, right? Is that what he's saying? When is he loyal? How long is all time? Forever. When is he not loyal? Never. He's saying, when is the Lord my helper? When? Always. When is there not an always? There's never not an always. Always means all the time. So when should I be afraid? When? Never. I should never be afraid. Which human can do anything to me permanently? How many? What about the government? What about ISIS? Syria? Russia? China? Nobody. Do you hear what he's saying? The loyalty of God. Why? Because my loyal Father in heaven will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He will be with me all the time. He's true to his word. He keeps his promises. He never makes a vow that he won't keep. My Father in heaven is always reliable. He is always there. He is never asleep. He is never in another room. He's never away when I need him. My Father can be trusted always to do the right thing for me. And if my Father speaks to me, I can believe him completely because my Father is loyal to me. He will never leave me. He will not forsake me. He always helps me. He always calms my fears. He is always my protector. He is always my defender from this moment till the end of time. Always. You understand? We can count on him. He is trustworthy. He is loyal. And because he is loyal to me, he's working in me to do what? He's working in me for those whom he foreknew. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. So he is working in me 
to conform me to the image of Jesus, who is the exact, represent, exact representation of who? The Father. So he's trying to create in me exactly who he is. He is trying to cause me to have this same loyalty. That's why I admire loyalty. It's why I crave loyalty. He is teaching me to be a loyal person. So he wants me to be loyal. And he wants me to be loyal to him. Now what does that look like? Well, I read my Bible every day and I get up five minutes. That is not what it looks like. So what is what he's talking about? What does it look like to be loyal to God? This is where we start working our way back. Hebrews 13 verse 5. I can't believe that I'm starting with this one. Because this plays right into the church stereotype. Keep your life free from money and be content with what you have. If you're visiting with us this morning, I do not preach about money every Sunday, but I could. Bible says more about money than it says about anything else in the world. We ought to be talking about money a whole lot more. But he's talking about here being loyal to God. We're going to be loyal to God. So what does that look like? It means that we keep our life free from the love of money and we're content with what we have. Talk about it for hours. We're going to do it just a nutshell. I want you to think about this. How much junk do you have in your house? If you had to move tomorrow, would you rather commit suicide or move? <laughs> Go up in your attic this afternoon and blow your own mind out. I didn't know I, I forgot all about. Do you? Honey, have you seen? I got one of these. You ever done that? Oh, man, look, I found. How much junk do you have? Why do you have it? Why do you have all that junk? How much of your life did it cost to accumulate that junk? And now here's the punchline. How close to God does that junk bring you? How much closer of a relationship to God does all of that junk that you have, how does that improve your relationship with God? See, he says, don't get wrapped up in things. I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to you, and this is what this means. I will give you everything you need to sustain you like I want you to be sustained. And I will give you everything you need in order to do the jobs that I have assigned to you, that I assigned to you from the very foundation of the world. See, I've been planning for you a long time. All of us parents think we're pretty cool when our kids are born. We didn't do this. I don't even know we had it when my kids were born. But we think we're pretty cool because we start our kids one of these 501-67-298-32 college career save your money plans. Yeah, we're doing good for our kids. God's been planning for you since the beginning of time to make sure you had what you need to get done. He is loyal to us. Let marriage be, boy, I just keep harping on stuff, don't I? Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Let the marriage be bed be undefiled. What is God saying here? 
I'll say it to you like they would say it to you on television. You be loyal in the sack. Nobody belongs in your bed but you and your wife or you and your husband. Not even your kids. They can visit. They don't get to stay. They got their own bed. If they don't, we have a benevolence committee. We can help you with that. (laughs) Nobody belongs in your bed but you and your spouse. Why? Because God is, is loyal to keep his vows and he expects you to be loyal to keep your vows. I can always count on God I can always count on God to keep his word. The expectation is that you can always count on your husband to keep his word. You can always count on your wife to keep her word. The expectation is is that you can always count on one another to keep your word. Why? We looked at the definition. Loyal people are true to their word. They're true to their promises. They're true to their vows. God is loyal. You're to be loyal too. Love, loyal partners make strong marriages. And strong marriages have a better chance of raising strong children. And strong children are what's going to change our world and make it more godly. You see, that's where the things that have happened in our nation, if you'll sit down and think about it for just a minute, where did it get started? They didn't start by changing the minds of adults. We're all pig-headed and stubborn. We don't change our minds. But children do because they're learning, so they start with the children. Strong marriages make strong homes that raise strong children that can change the world for Christ. Notice, too, God says that he judges us when we aren't loyal in our marriage bed. Well, preacher, now I live under grace. Yeah, let let me help you with two things about grace, okay? Number one, if you presume upon grace, if you think that it means that you can do anything that you want to at any time, anywhere, with any person, because you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, then you don't understand grace. Because, see, if you know grace, I can do anything I want to. I can. I can. I'll argue with you until you pass out. I will not give up on that point. I can do anything I want to. Paul says all things are beneficial, but I mean all things are, are, are uh, permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And you know why they're not, I mean, don't go into the why they're not beneficial, but what that means to me is I can do anything I want to, but I know the one that paid the price for my sins. I know the horrible price he paid for the horrible things that I want to do sometimes. I do not want to cause him more pain. I don't want to do anything to bring dishonor on him. I want to be like him and if I want to be like him I'm not going to do things that he wouldn't do that's grace that's living in grace number one point number two and I have to find it gross grace does not underdo undo consequences God's judgment is a consequence that falls on us you want to see evidence of that look at our society Do you think that happened by accident? God is loyal to you. Be loyal to him by being loyal to your spouse. Look at your loyalty to your spouse as an act of worship to God. Because that's what it is.
Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Y'all remind me sometime to tell you the story about Ben and the angel. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you're also in the body. We're going to dig through all this one of these days, but let me say this about that. He says here, be loyal to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The brotherly love mentioned here is not the love for all humanity. He is not talking, telling us to join hands with everybody in the world and sing, I'd like to teach the world to sing. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about singing Kumbaya with everybody in the whole wide world. What he is talking about here is to be loyal to anyone who is a Christian. Randy, that's exclusive. Uh Uh-huh. It is. Well, that's not very, I don't care. That's what he's saying. Be loyal to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be loyal to anyone who is a Christian. Now, what does that mean? Listen to me. Have their back for a change. Don't bite their back. Have their back. Cover their backside. Think the best of them. That's hard. I mean, that's hard. You know, some of us were raised in sort of funkadelic relationships at home and thinking the best of everybody all the time. Funkadelic. I don't know if y'all caught that word. That's, a, that's theological. I learned it in seminary. You come from these relationships that were sort of messed up a little bit and you always wonder what somebody about to do. What are they about to say? You don't know that they always have your best interest at heart. He's saying here, think the best of them. If they need something, help them. If they get in trouble, support them. Why? Well, there but for the grace of God go I. Tell me, Christians, which one of you have not done something wrong since you've been saved? We just didn't catch you. Support our brothers. I was talking to a younger brother last week, and he made, we made this very point. When you see a brother or sister under the gun, don't draw back like a frightened puppy, afraid to, that you're going to draw fire to yourself. Be bold. Be loyal. Come to their aid. Stand by their side. Lean in. Get close. If you're afraid that the mud that's getting slung at them is going to splatter on you, does it matter? Does it really matter? What does the Father say? The Father says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So I get some of your mud splattered on me. Big fat hairy deal. My Father in heaven is going, yeah, you the man, you the man, do it again. That's what he's doing. Be loyal to one another. Think with me for just a minute. Can your brother or sister in Christ say about you that you will never leave them or forsake them? That you are their helper and that you will, when you stand with them, they will not be afraid. Think of the power that comes in knowing that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, My brother, my sister, me, and God will conquer 
anything that comes my way. That's pretty cool. You cannot beat us, he says. Think of the power. Think of the contentment that your wife would have if she could lean back and say with confidence, my husband will never leave me or forsake me. My husband is my helper. I won't be afraid when we stand together. What power, what power your husband would say if he could say, my wife will never leave me or forsake me. My wife is my helper and I won't be afraid when we stand together. A husband and a wife who reflect the loyalty of Christ. Children raised to reflect the loyalty of Christ. Fellow church members who reflect the loyalty of Christ. You go by some of these businesses. Some of you may own businesses that have signs like this. I don't know. That says, proudly serving gray since 1968 which those signs don't impress me at all because, you know, I go back before 1968. But you see those signs, you know, proudly serving since this time. IBM's been in business for over 100 years. AT&T has been in business for over 100 years. And that's supposed to mean stability to us, you know? Well, you know how long God has been loyal to his people? The earliest writings we have or the earliest stories that we have are 30 500 years old and he has never missed do you understand what that means for 3500 years God has been loyal to his people for 3500 years and he has never goofed he has never gone ooh I missed that one, didn't I? Never has he been disloyal to us. He has never failed us, not one time. Who can come against us? Who can prevail against us? Who shall we fear? This scripture tells me Understanding the loyalty that God has for me and the loyalty that we're supposed to have with one another, that I don't need to be on the defensive anymore. That I need to be offensive. That I need to start standing up and saying, you know what? I don't care. Give me your junk. Say whatever you want to say. Do whatever you want to do. I know the Lord. I know the truth. This is the way it is. You want to call me a name? Please be clever because I've been called a whole bunch. I'd love to hear something new. God is loyal to his people. Who can come against us? Who can prevail over us? Who shall we fear? And Father, I pray in our hearts this morning, I pray that, that in us, your spirit would be screaming to some of us screaming as loud and as hard as your spirit can scream to us saying truth truth i will not fail you i have never failed you 
Stand strong for me. Father, help us. Because we are afraid. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to lose our things. And yet, Lord, you tell us, I'll give you everything you need to sustain you, and I give you everything you need to get the job done that I've called you to do. Help us to be content in that and to realize in that we are mega powerful. And for those, Lord, I said some of us to have our hearts lifted that way. I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that our hearts would scream out to, your, to, to us, trust me, I will save you. I pray, Father, for those in this room that either have never said that they follow you or they look at themselves now and realize that I'm just a Christian because mom and dad were. Trust you, Father. In this moment, we want to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen.